Welcome to the world of Rex. I am Marvel A. Rex, and this is my world. It is also your world. In this podcast, we will discuss any and every topic imaginable, from socioeconomic political theory and philosophy to gender clowning to the occult sciences, y'all. It's going to be a wild ride. Strap in. Marvel A Rex. Well, I am a true Renaissance person. I do a little bit of everything. I am an artist, first and foremost, an actor, a writer, director, producer, philosopher, and yes, a cult practitioner. I am an astrologer of over 15 years. I am a student of the I Ching, and I am experimenting with my human design. And on that note, I deeply hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the world of Rex. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world of Rex. It's Marvel A. Rex. We are going to be looking at the energies for the week of June 20th to June 26th. Happy solstice for all the folks who are celebrating solstice. If you're not celebrating solstice, then you're going to get a little bit of an intro to this flavor of energy and the magic that you can work right around this time. One thing I love about anything occult is that you really can start to create your own intentional reality, your talismans, the things that you draw strength from. It can help you feel more connected to the larger picture if you are working with, let's say, the planets, the sun, the moon, all of these cycles. They draw us closer to a deeper sense of belonging and uh, often help mitigate any sort of existential dread. So we're going to talk about the solstice. Now, on a non-astrological level, right, the solstice is a time when we have the longest day of the year, right? Now, there are so many different ways to celebrate around the world, right? There's so many places in the world. I'm going to give some examples. So Stonehenge, out in the UK has a huge solstice celebration. Very, very witchy. There's tons of like shamanic people up there in the UK, druids and all these cool, creepy creatures. Love it. In ancient Egypt, summer solstice coincided with the first phase of the Nile's flooding, marking the Egyptian New Year. In ancient China, they celebrated the switch from yang to yin energy, right? That's really interesting. So you had this yang cycle, which is masculine, another word for masculine or male asserting to yin energy on the solstice. It shifted to a more receptive nature on the solstice. I love that. The Romans honored the god Vesta with the Vestalia solstice. You know, they had a little solstice soiree. Sounds very, very sexy. And the Greeks honored Cronus or Saturn, who I talked about last week. And he was considered more of a god of agriculture. And they had a Cronia festival where slaves and free people at the time feasted as equals for a day. So there's a really interesting, you know, just when you think about that, equal, right? Equal is a really interesting uh, way to understand the solstice. There's a balancing that happens this week. There's a synthesis even of the masculine and the feminine. I'm not necessarily equating that slaves and free people are masculine or feminine. I'm just saying, although in patriarchy, we can definitely assign those. But... uh, (laughs) 
I'm just saying that there is a um, equitable energy associated with this week. So in your own life, in your personal life, it's a really good time to find balance. I know that's very, very broad, but the way you can think about it is like, okay, what are all the things that I started right around the equinox, the spring equinox, which would have been March 20th in the Northern Hemisphere? What are all the things I'm really excited about and started during this period of time? And now here on the solstice, instead of being like, oh, I got to keep going, I got to keep moving. You find a balance where you're like, okay, I started all those things. I see that I started them. I'm going to keep chipping away at them. And I'm going to balance it out with a little bit of hang loose time. I'm going to balance it out with a little bit of receptive, open, even uh, I'm going to go so far as to say like surrendering kind of energy, trust energy this week. So really trying to ask a good question to ask yourself is like, do, am I balanced in mind, body and spirit this week? Just to help me get through the summer, because the summer is actually kind of an unknown time. And, and what do I mean by unknown time? Well, so we started things in spring. Usually that spring equinox is like a, a time of like, it's Aries, it's Aries energy. It's, it's really fired up. It's like, I want, I know what I want. I know what I'm going to go get. It represents action in general. And the summer, the summer solstice in contrast represents patience. We got to develop trust and confidence in ourselves that what we set out in motion right around the equinox in spring is correct. Even if we're going through some troubled times or things are slowing down, the course is set at this point and we just need to nurture it and trust the path. This often happens in creative projects. I'm going to use an example. When you're doing any sort of creative project or when you've even started a collaboration or a relationship, for example, things start out super, super exciting. This is all very much related to Aries energy. You can apply Aries energy to the beginning of anything because that's what it is. It's literally the beginning of anything. So at the beginning of anything, it's exciting. It's sometimes a little scary, but it's exciting. It's like the, the, the pheromones are going. It's like the endorphins are running. Wow, I'm doing something new. Very cool. And that energy is definitely present this year. There's a lot of energy in Aries right now. But then this time, this time of the year, which marks uh, a move into the Cancer zodiacal sign, right? The, the summer solstice is literally at zero degrees of Cancer. That's how you mark it. That's how you know when it comes in. Cancer is a very, very different energy than Aries. It basically is this highly maternal, highly trusting, highly surrendering energy that says, I trust that this is going to work out. You started this thing, you were super excited about it, and I trust it's going to work out. The relationship, ooh, like the relationship is entering a new zone. It's not as exciting necessarily as it was at the beginning. I have to trust that there's something nurturing here. And I have to nurture it in the uncertainty, right? That is so much the energy that is coming in this week and will really be with us until we hit the fall equinox during Libra season. Okay, so that's more like the fall. So this is a time to just check in and make sure things are feeling balanced. You're, you're still being both determined and receptive during this period of time in regards to whatever you're feeling really pumped up about. Okay. You're having trust in the middle of the process that began in spring, right? The middle process can be great. You can feel like you're coasting this summer, or you can be like, I don't really know how the chips are going to fall, but trust me, they will fall in the fall. <laughs> To even give a little bit more here, the summer solstice represents the transition from action to nourishment, okay, which is exactly what the sun gives us during the long nights of summer, both to our actual crops, but also to the continual journey we travel from darkness to light. Summer, right now, the solstice reminds us that there is hope in the world. 
that the light within can spread to the far reaches of the globe and inspire others. We can nurture others just as the sun nurtures us. Okay, summer is a really great time, especially because people get time off. It's a great time to work on yourself and your ability to be the light, to like literally like soak up the long nights and also to shine forth to other people and nourish other people. So the thing that I want to talk a little bit about in relationship to cancer as an energy, which is coming in that zero degree, the sun will be at zero degrees cancer. It's a very powerful point in the chart. It's a world point for all, all the astrology geeks. It's a big point. It's a sensitive point in the chart. The thing about cancer is that it's really associated with family. So this week, it's a very good idea to look at where you come from, your past, your lineage, your epigenetics. And really, the, the, the deepest work you can do this week is to look at it, be with it, and express gratitude for everything, for all of it. Cancer is really like, it's the ocean in a lot of ways. It can hold a lot. It's, it's a water sign that can hold a ton of information, a ton of emotional information, and even has strength in holding all of that. It is really the, the divine feminine. It's associated with the divine feminine. So some mantras for this period of time is, I'm open to receiving nourishment and growth. I'm able to receive the energy needed to develop trust in my life. I'll say that one more time. I'm able to receive the energy needed to develop trust in my life. This is going to help you navigate the family dynamics, right? So people do see family over the summer. I certainly will be, as I'm recording this before this week, and I will certainly be with family during this week. So it's very interesting, right? Uh, it's good to just like, even if you're not with your chosen or biological family right now, even when you're just like, let's say you're doing a work trip or you're doing something, whatever, random, being present with people during this period of time in a way where you're seeing connection to other human beings in a way that's like literally universal love cosmic love like looking at every human being you run into on the street as if they are your family i'm not necessarily like saying that you should like leak your psyche psychic energy it's not really a time to leak your psychic energy it's more of a time to just look upon people with a ton of compassion this will bolster you and help you like feel charged up during the summer because then the fall is going to bring us a lot of <laughs> choice points, transitions, big, big moments, big kind of, big kind of scary moments. So the summer solstice is a time to just like really focus on nourishing yourself and loving other people and forgiving other people. I mean, a big thing that you could do right now that would be so powerful is to choose to forgive family members, to do work with family members. You don't have to do, if it's not, this, if it doesn't feel good to do it with them, do it with them psychically. Do it with them, you know, on, on a metaphysical level. Pray. You know, that kind of work is really powerful. Acceptance and forgiveness in regards to family is huge during this period of time. Now, because we have so much Aries energy present, this is really the mark of summer, and it is going to be like a hot girl summer vibes. I mean, this is very, very... Uh, <laughs> This is kind of a, like a more intense to me cancer season because we have so much Aries activation, which is in a challenging aspect to cancer. So it's going to want us, I mean, like I can easily see people getting into difficult situations with family members or having to navigate home, feeling of sense of safety or home. So as long as we know that and can develop a little bit of consciousness around, oh, family conversations may be like a little charged or people may be feeling really vehemently whatever about something. They're going to be feeling really strongly about their opinions or like what they need to do for themselves. Aries is a, ve a very self-serving energy and cancer is much more of a familial serving energy. Like how do you serve the family, the unit? These two are going to be clashing. So if you know that, 
you know, a good thing to ask yourself is like, what are my needs in, re- in relationship to my family's needs, whether that's chosen or biological? The goal really this week is to balance extremes. So if you are having a conversation or an interaction that feels like it's going into kind of extreme territory, this is the time to like take a step back, find some room and find a way to like land in love, land in love. And, and really, you know, if things need to be said, this is the time to do it, but with the goal of like peace and balance and not being like, I need to be right and this person's wrong. Like, okay, let me understand where both people are coming from. Having a nuanced conversation and also agreeing to disagree. Very powerful during this period of time. Uh, the quote that comes with one of the human design energies this week that's really powerful is a quote from Lao Tzu that I want to read. It says, if you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken all of yourself. If you want to eliminate the suffering in the world, then eliminate all that is dark and negative in yourself. Truly, the greatest gift you have to give is that of your own self-transformation. So that's really possible during the solstice. The solstice is a beautiful time. I mean, there's really, the reason there are so many celebrations is that, you know, historically across cultures, there has been the deep reverence for the longest day of the year. You know, astronomically, astrologically, ancient astrology really digs deep into the available the availability of light and how you can like literally the light can literally cleanse you and what i mean by cleanse is like balance you out find the places where you are needing to grow and transform to be more balanced more at peace to be equal parts masculine and feminine which we all are so this is just a beautiful beautiful time so this is the another way just the the final thing i'll say is that the masculine sun stops in its tracks to usher in a new gushy, receptive, and strong solar cycle. I'm thinking a little bit about something that Ms. Neon said last episode about uh, a certain type of badass femininity, like Courtney Love, becoming so it's so feminine that it's it becomes masculine. Like there's something so male about it, right? And on the flip side, I, th- I think of a short film I saw from the Sundance a couple years ago called Flex by Josephine Malman and David Strindberg which you can watch on Vimeo for free. You can just type in Flex, Josephine Malman. That's M-A-L-M-E-N. And it's about a bodybuilder. It's about this big uh, Scandinavian bodybuilder. And it's so, you, I was watching this film and I was like, wow, this film, like his body is so quote unquote masculine that it sort of like inverts. It's like a goldfish eating itself. It like inverts and all of a sudden feels very, I just was shook by watching this short film because he felt very soft to me. It's very strange. You should watch the film. But there's like an interesting inversion here. And and the reason I bring up both of these examples is just to say that that's part of, that's part of the energy this week. Is like, where are the parts and expressions in you and the thought processes within you that are polarized? And how do they actually like mirror the thing that they're polarizing? When you can look at that and place those two things together, it's really powerful. You start to see, okay, wow, the thing that I'm like attributing all of this energy this understanding to this assertiveness to especially in late capitalism that's just like go 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 assert 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 where can i find softness within those places there is such a r- distinct difference between strength and force and this solstice period of time and what cancer embodies is like deep emotional strength and finding like softness even in within moments of you know, asserting yourself. So this isn't a week to just like check out and lay down and like take a rest. If that's what your body needs, that's great. Like honor yourself. This energy is more like, yes, I'm still continuing on the journey. I started in the spring when things were born 
and now it's reached a zenith, but it's not the final zenith. It's reached a zenith, and I need to trust in that process while continuing to take steady action on it without overdoing it right now. This is not the overdue time. (laughs) Fall will be a test. It'll be a gauntlet. Summer's more like, how do I refine myself? How do I find softness in moments even of assertion? How do I find strength and solidity when I'm resting? You know, finding ways of, of even just thinking about things differently and interrogating the ways in which you may be out of balance in your life. And just being, you know, being soft and compassionate with yourself in that process, but still acknowledging it, right? That's the balance part is like, I acknowledge that I need to balance this out and I'm going to be compassionate with my process. That's going to help lubricate the whole journey forward over the summer. Again, having trust and surrender in this process is huge. You know, I'm hearing all I'm hearing myself say all this and I'm like this is definitely applying to my life so I'm feeling it uh if you are too great all right and if not good for you if you feel balanced amazing love it okay well good luck we have a little bit of crunchy territory coming in next week so this week is a great week to just take note do some healing work around your family look at where you know you can be softer in your strength and stronger in your softness And then you're going to brace yourself for the energies coming in next week so that you're nice and primed and ready. I certainly hope I will be. And on that note, we're going to have a guest with us today, D. Hill. Speaking of someone who is very strong in their softness and very soft in their strength. Love D. Let's get to know him. All right, everybody. We are here with D. Hill. He is a trans brother of mine, one of my favorite people. He and I are about to be in a show at the LGBT Center here in Los Angeles. It's called Syzygy. D, how are you doing? What's going on? You want to tell the audience you know, a little bit about yourself? Wait a minute. You don't want me to get started. But for the first part, first part, I'll say I am well. So thank you so much for asking. It's great. Thank you so much for even inviting me on to your podcast. So I'm excited just to be with you, brother. Uh, like a ah, man, so we can just go ahead and get into it. Um, D, yes, yes. My well, name is D Hill. D Hill, tell <laughs> us more. And I am an educator. I'm a visual artist, also uh, an entrepreneur, and I have been doing oh, man working in the visual arts for I feel like all my life, but it really didn't start getting a momentum until about the '90s, the late '90s, and I love how people look at me and say, "Oh." you know, you must be young. I said, well, I want to just say thank you to my parents because um, it's in the DNA, but I've been doing this for about 25 years. Wow. So I've been working with photography, video, and performance art, man, for about 10 years now. And it's just been immaculate uh, as it grows and evolves. And as I meet people that have helped control tribute to why I practice and mostly performing arts now and video art. So that's where when I teach the educator part of me, um, I've been teaching for, wow, that, ooh, I don't want to tell my age. Damn, do I have to tell my age too? You do not have to tell your ooh, age. Let dude. me not tell nobody. Okay, so, but I don't mind because then they look at me and say, oh, you don't look your age, but I'll take it. But I've been teaching now for about 10 years as well. And I teach art theory, photography, history of photography, beginning photography, intro to digital, like all of these classes that Mm. are the fundamentals to what you would like to put into a practice. So when it Mm. comes to being an 
a full-on visual art practicing artist and you want to get in the game, then you will have all those fundamentals, but you also will have life. And so mm -hmm. that's where my professional practice course comes in, where you have to incorporate life into that practice. Because otherwise, you can read books all damn day. But um, if you don't have life and understand and, and be a listener and be humble in the mm -hmm. practice, then um, you might as well be that next person that I saw on Instagram that I was just scrolling through. Yeah, and it's and it is like, what does it mean to be an artist on the ground? Those professional practices courses were life changing for me as an artist in grad school, uh, not in grad school, in undergrad. Wow, like so grateful that I took that class because I was like, what does it mean to be embodied outside of being held by an institution, being yeah. by an institution? Yeah. yeah, the hustle energy. Yeah, I mean, your, your friend, you thought that was your friend in that class, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Out in the real world. Mm -mm. Uh, what's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> so you teach at CSULA, right? Yeah. Here? So I'm, okay. I'm at Cal State LA, and it's been great. I'm not actually teaching. I'm actually full on staff, which is I like the shift. And the reason why I did the shift was to give me room to study and research for pursuing a doctorate. I just feel like I don't have enough time to juggle being the professor and going for a doctorate at the same time because a lot. a lot of people don't realize most of the work is 60% outside the classroom. Mm. Mm. And so I decided to go staff. So I'm full-time staff as the uh, photo manager of the department, but I get a chance to come home and do amazing exchanges like this, right? Yes. We get a chance to have these moments and I get a chance to be a part of the show or I get a chance yes. to do my research and then I can do, uh, let me look at what program I would like to participate in. Uh, what What's going on in the community? Maybe I right. should be their show face. Cause when I, because I tell you, um, when you have students, especially with the pandemic, when you have students that look at you not only as a professor, but you're their counselor, mm. oh, you, you beck and call, boo. You beck and call. Yeah. And if you are not responding to those emails or you're not um, present, they're wondering, um, do you care? Yeah. It's you a ton of me? emotional labor. It's a ton. Do I you mean, care about me? Yeah. Well, I thought I did. Didn't I tell you on the first day of class? But I guess it don't matter because it's three weeks in and I haven't talked to you since the first day of class. I don't know. So right. um, you have all of that sensibility that you have to be aware of when you're entering that classroom and when you are calling yourself a professor. Mm. You just got to be clear about that. And even shout out to the, all the tenured professors out there. Don't get lazy out there because the students are calling you out right now. Yeah. Yeah. I digress. And, and so, yeah, I love it. And so you're like, let's be real. So. <laughs> You are doing stuff. What is your doctorate about? You want to Ooh. tell me what you're working on? So I'm hoping to find, because I'm in the process of looking at a program that will allow me to do a comparative study. Mm. So I want to blend media arts with humanities. Okay. So I want to talk about how visual art, specifically performance art. Mm. This is, is my the, realm. I love it. Okay. Is the most prolific realm that you could be within to shift a social impact, whether mm. that is through visual uh, photos, moving images, or to be outside 
and have the experience created, you know, wherever that particular location is. Everybody mm. remembers that experience. Now, what is it to understand that experience and then say, I understand how black folks are, or I understand how transgender works, or I understand how non-binary, you know, can work, or I understand what it means to be subordinate and mm -hmm. how I can create an action to that. So that's where I need a program that will accept what I'm trying to develop. Ooh, like a hybridized, synthesized. Mm -hmm. So if I can get a program that hopefully on the West Coast, but if it's on the West Coast, we'll talk later. Uh, yeah. We got we to have some negotiation because I am not, you know what's going on in Miami. I'm not trying to go on you know, Miami no. program mm -hmm. and deal with the floods and, and shout out to the families. Uh, my goodness, with all of the flooding with that hurricane, because this is yeah. tornado hurricane yeah. season. Every year. So, Every year. you know, it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. However, climate does change and it gets worse for those that live in those particular environments. So um, shout out to those uh, first responders that are helping those families mm. in Miami and around the, uh, the southern coast of Florida, and then also in Texas too, because I mean, that Gulf is no joke. Oh yeah, we were When that there. hurricane comes in, yeah. so. So Dee, tell me a little bit about your background, speaking of parts of the U.S., like, where are you from? I, I mean, this is an opportunity for me to learn more about you. Like, where do you come from? Do you like, tell us about your family. I know your family factor is big. You know, I come from my mama. I come from my mama, you know, and my mama's from Little Rock, Arkansas. So oh she, she, she birthed me. She birthed me in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I was there for a while. Uh, I know it kind of hurt her heart when I wanted to leave because mm. she thought that I was going to, you know, being her oldest, her first she thought I was going to stay there, but I always tell the story. When I finished my undergrad at the University of Memphis in Tennessee, and I made sure it was a four-year program. I'm not one of these folks that would like stay around for five, six years. <laughs> so I was out of there in four years. So I graduated on December 17th. I moved to Los Angeles, California on December 20th. And so everybody was wondering, like, wait a minute, you don't want to stay? Um, do you want to have Christmas here? Nope. <laughs> I made my decision. I'm out of here. As a matter of fact, I was waiting on you to help me with this U-Haul. So um, I did the graduation. I love it. <laughs> Stayed around, and I love my parents. Uh, I have supportive parents, and of course, um, people will see in my documentary. I do have supportive parents, and that was the scariest part. Uh, that was pre-transition. Uh, that man, will they love me when I truly make this decision to live my life and be happy? Yeah. Yes. But I'm when I see an opportunity and I see where I need to do something. Um, that tenacity comes out. It's in the DNA, and that's in my parents as well. So uh, left from Little Rock, Arkansas, went to Memphis, Tennessee, and finished up, did my film film degree there, and film and television. And I thought I was going to do theater. So I was going to do the theater department first. Interesting. Because just kind of go back just a little bit. In high school, I got really depressed around my latter part of my sophomore year because mm -hmm. I was having, you know, some identity struggles. You are speaking, you're speaking my story right now verbatim. Go ahead. I was like, <laughs> something is up. 
but I couldn't figure out what was up. And because I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, there was no resources. There were nobody around. You could, I mean, it was just like what? for trans men. For trans men, there was absolutely nothing. And I was like, but I'm not a lesbian. You know, I'm like, I couldn't fix. I mean, it was just really hard for me. And then I met Jill Thompson. Shout out to Jill Thompson if you're looking. Um, I've been trying to find you on social media, but I guess you don't do it. Um, that was my first girlfriend, and I wow. knew it. I knew it. I was like, I'm not lesbian though. Yeah. So I was trying to convince her the whole time, I'm a dude, I'm your boyfriend. It's like, yeah. but nobody's going to look at you like that. And I can't introduce you to my mom like that. And it was just so hard. So I was doing theater to play it out. So I was playing these mm. multiple characters and uh, people were amazed how well I could pick up that character uh, analysis and be able to pick up the dynamic. And I said, well, here's the thing. I do it all the time. Same. When people ask me, have you gone to acting school, Marvel? I'm like, baby, I was born, <laughs> I was born into acting school. You were okay. <laughs> I have been hiding in plain sight oh, my whole oh. life. <laughs> oh, I'm like, we've been doing that all of our lives and didn't even realize it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I realized I was acting or when I realized it was getting too much, I went over to Miss Holiday who was my theater instructor at the time. Mm. And I said, I'm not gonna go to this competition. And she said, oh, what do you mean? We're trying to get first place, we gotta beat Cabot. I was like, I understand. We gotta beat that high school. I know, I could probably bring it hard. But if I do this, there's something else that's gonna happen to me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna do it. But Tiffany Mays, I can direct her. She's really good. Have you seen her in practice? Mm. Well, no, no. And that's when the director side started coming out in me. Interesting. Uh, Around 10th grade, 11th. By 11th grade, I was definitely the director Mm. because I would not do anything. And they were like, D, what's going on? What's going on? I said, well, you also don't understand. I have this push and pull from my parents. My dad at this time is working at UCLA and he's like, oh, you're going to come to UCLA. You're going to be in the theater department at UCLA. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know nothing about that. So I had to take the SAT one, two, and I had to do the audition, which I totally tanked. That's another story. Lord, I tanked on that interview. Oh, but the 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 audition, I nailed that audition though. But there you go. There you go. The interview was not ready for that level of what they were expecting for the incoming undergrads. Mm. So I, you know, but at the same time, I'm sitting there, you know, waiting on my dad to pick me up when I finally do it and tell Miss Holiday, I don't want to, you know, perform and I, I have to do this. I have to please my dad. I got to, you know, take these tests and I got to go to LA, you know, so I'm like, oh, ah. you know, she's looking at me like, ah. I'm like, no, I'm about to do some things but I don't know what it is. Mm. And I have to- You listen. had like an intuition. You had like an yeah, intuition. Okay, absolutely. Okay. And it was okay. that was a transitional intuition, right? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to articulate that. I'm like, why is my dad pulling me to LA mm. and I'm only 17 years old? Mm. And then my mom is trying to figure out, do you want to stay here and you know, do the health thing? Cause I was going to be a, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to do the whole, Wow. Uh, yep. Obstetrician gynecology. 
my friends have jokes about that. I was going to say, there are jokes loaded. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all about the body and, and yep. the woman's body and all that. So, you know, uh, push and pull. So I was so tired of that. And uh, I said, but hey, what about Tiffany Mays? If I train her and I do all of this, so everything that I just explained, what I'm going mm -hmm. through, at the age of 17, mm -hmm. telling my professor, hey, what if I train and direct Tiffany Mays? To get her ready so that you didn't have to get do her it. ready. This is so, so that way she can do the competition because it was a duo. For you, basically. Yeah, right. yeah. She was going to be my stand-in because, uh, well, not a stand-in, but she was going to be my replacement. Replacement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, hey, I can't do the duet because I have to go to L.A. Yeah. Yeah. And who knew? It's seventeen. Who? I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. I got to go to L.A. Yeah. I mean, this is literally <laughs> half of Los Angeles. Half of Los Angeles is like the yeah. middle of America being like, I got a dream. I got a dream. I got a dream. I got a dream. I got to go. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't my dream at that time. And that's mm. kind of the sad part about it. And uh, Tiffany Mays rocked it with Anton Bolden. And yes, she they nailed did. it. And we, we got second place. We didn't get first place because Cabot did get it. Cabot got first place. But we got second place. And I said, see? I yeah. told you we can get we can still get a trophy and bring it home, mm -hmm. you know. Maybe we're in first place, but we got something even with me not doing it. But I shared with you the potential in that person, and mm -hmm. that's when I knew that uh, when I went over to the University of Memphis, maybe in theater it's not mm -hmm. directing, maybe it's filmmaking and directing. So the way the curriculum was set up. I could, uh, my advisor had an amazing, I can tell you, you know, I remember names, so people need to mess, stop with that whole, I can't remember who, who are you? No, if that person was monumental in your life, you'll remember. Yeah. So if you just like a has-been or you just walk, passing through, then that's who you are. You are a has-been and pass through. But the <laughs> people that you know, you will remember. So yeah. Roxanne Ross was my advisor, and she mm. said the most fundamental thing for me. Mm. She said, it sounds like you're not really sure what you would like to do, but you probably need some classes to clarify that. So why don't we put you in intro to film? And the moment she put me in the intro to film, I got introduced to David Appleby, who um, we talked last summer, so we're still in each other's lives. I was put in there, got introduced to the camera, and that was over. Yeah. Ah! It was yes. over. It was over. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I got chills just thinking about you. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I'm, I got chills thinking about you at 17 directing someone. I, you know, funny enough, I'm in, well, you and I have such parallels because I was 15 years old directing my baby brother in musicals, you know? But I was, I think the transmasculine component is very real that you yeah, like, yeah. gave me chills because I was like, I at one point wanted to hide as well. It's like I was so yeah. extroverted, and then at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to be looked at anymore. And that's when directing felt very safe. Yes, I wasn't oh. on stage. Yeah, and the the coming back to stage for me has been a full circle moment. But I love that you and I both had these very interesting parallel experiences in high school. Yeah, and that was the thing. And like uh, my first uh, dinner theater was Little Shop of Horror. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, what a great and I I need I needed Crystal to step it up, but Crystal didn't want to do that part of the alleyway. The alarm went up at seven. And I'm like, yeah. In that case, I'll fucking do it. So yeah. there I, 
So I said, I'm gonna do this part, but everybody else needs to do their part. And mm-hmm. I was like, downtown, you know, like let's go. Like here's the harmony, and that was the great thing too about being in the church. So, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, I had well, already learned raised, how to do. Were percussion. you raised in Little Rock? Going to what kind of church were you going to? Baptist. So I was okay. raised in the Baptist church. And, oh my God, the songs. Uh, the uh, whoo, the, the musicality of it all. The musicality is just. Uh, Once like you get there, level. I mean, you know, I thought we thought we were Kirk Franklin the family, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but during the nineties, um, my mom is a PK kid, so PK meaning pastor kid. Okay, and so my grandfather was the pastor of the church, and you know, what do you know? It's a business, and all your kids are going to do part of the business. And my mom was on the usher board, and all that. So I. I had no choice but to be there mm. and be a part of the, you know, the youth choir and all that. But then what I found out in the midst of uh, the, other than being piano and organ in the church, mm. we had a budget to get drums. Oh so I found out that my dad knew how to play the drums. So he taught me how to play the drums along with my cousin, who I call my brother, who I lost in 2015. Um, oh. He taught us both how to play by ear. Wow. Oh my God. And so Amazing. we eventually just started, you know, playing by ear. So the percussions is really like huge. So now when I, connect with music but my mom would tell you maybe i did that to you baby because i did go to an earth wind and fire concert when i was <laughs> and i see you the groove. i was like the well, yeah. <laughs> thank you for doing that because yeah. i love music i have a i have a keen ear mm. for melody rhythm and um i'm really interested in percussion because mm. it came easy to me then I wanted to learn how to do the keys, but I never mm. finished it because I developed uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, okay. So I had JRA, okay. they call it juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. I got that at the age of 13. Wow, and, that was early. Okay. And by the time it really settled in, it was by the time I was 15. And so I was dealing with that too, because I couldn't play basketball anymore. Like it was it just wow. affected all of my joints. It affected all of my joints. So everything I was interested in from wanting to play in the band to wanting to be in sports got very limited with my chronic disease. And which, was that happening at the same kind of time that you were recognizing some identity yes. stuff? Yes. This is a very similar timeline to me. It's kind of uncanny. Okay. Wow. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's I feel like things were like, what am I going to do? Yeah. How am I going to do? Who am I? Who am I? Who, yeah. And I'm like, well, I can't, and I'm trying to be like you, I'm trying to be like you, you know, it, it was a lot to try to be like other people. And, uh, by the time I was in 11th grade, that's when I said, I'm done, you know, I'm done trying to be like everybody else. And, um, my mom was trying to figure it out. Everybody's trying to figure it out because I was so quote unquote outgoing. Yeah. Same. This is very similar. I relate. And then all of a sudden it takes that turn and everyone's like, did something, I remember my mother being like, did something happen to you? Did something happen to you? Yeah. And it's like, well, um, <laughs> I'm starting to understand some things about myself that I don't know how to place in your reality. <laughs> so, yeah, that part. That part. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, because you can't articulate it because 
It's the first time. And there were no words, D. I mean, and I there was no, yeah. And you there was no hit. language. That was part of it is like the kids these days, these Gen Z kids uh, and younger. I'm like, y'all are lucky. <laughs> There's so at least lucky. a language. I'm right here. Hands high. High five. Yes. Get it together. You did it at eight. Yeah. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> well, so film, film got you. Directing got you. Uh, yes. And, so and tell us a little bit. Uh, Appleby, yes. man. Whew. Yes. And tell us a little bit about maybe some of your first works or what you were interested in doing. And then I'd yeah. love to talk about the work you're doing now as well. Yeah. So the first works started off with drama. Okay. So I stuck in drama as my category because I'm like, let's do a recording of a crackhead uh, working with a drug dealer and it goes bad. Mm. That was my first film. <laughs> I love it. You're like, I'm going in dark. Love let's it. go dark. And it was definitely uh, film noir. I was all about film noir. I love so, <laughs> so I was all about it. Then I said, oh, okay, you know what? Let's have another experience where you are on the super highway and you meet this person, fall in love with their personality and meet them and they black, but you white. Yes. Let's do that way. So that yes. was my last, that was my last film. That was the last film I did. And I called uh, love off the super highway. And I actually did. A, is it Love Off the Super Highway? Hold up, you gonna make me pull out my screenplay? But um, I <laughs> collaborated with my friend Amy Pinnell, who's an amazing writer and, and, and comedian um, down in Little Rock, Arkansas, and, and just shift. So their life has shifted as well. Mm. Um, man, that's kind of interesting in real estate now. I'm like, yeah, damn, but you were a great writer. Um, <laughs> and she may, like, she may return you never know who knows know. who knows but she helped me write it so we mm. co-wrote uh, the screenplay i directed it found the actors um what do you know the one of the actors got sick and couldn't do it the day of shooting and so uh, i had to step in i was gonna say so, did d hill step in you did i okay. had to do it again a lot starts in a lot. i'm like I had to, fine let's just do it <laughs> God is calling you in like whatever higher power is like, you know what, D, we got you on stage. We got to get you on stage. I'm like, all right, well, I'll be this black woman. <laughs> cause I didn't even want to do, cause that, that was a way for me to get away from playing that character. Right. But it ended up on, I had to play her. Mm. Was so this pre-transition it, or post? Yeah, this is all pre, this was all like, you know, filmmaking days in my nineties. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, damn it. I still can't get away from this bitch. Mm. And I did it. And, you know, uh, if you ever want to see it, it's on VHS and we can definitely look at it. I'm thinking I about, I got to I gotta, I gotta convert it, but the audio is horrible because I did it yeah. outside. And what do you know? They wanted to fucking do the lawn. So I was a oh, uh, yeah. blowing lawn blower. I have a theory. I have a theory. The last, the last like three sets I've been on, I have a theory that some garden maintenance person knows that we're about to call yeah. action. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, really? You know you do this around. You know you do this at seven a.m. Yeah. Why are you doing it right now? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is me every time. The directors are just like, like you know, dying inside. And then this truck or or trash. Yeah. Really, this truck wants to just keep bagging bags. (laughs) (laughs) Always during shooting, Uh, but that was the genres that I always wanted to explore because that Mm. was me kind of peeling back the layers mm. of who I was, 
mm. who I am and who I was trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment I got finished with grad school was the moment that gender monologue happened, right? Mm, I brought, I I brought all of so I brought mm. all of the 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 filmmaking back into play. Me being the actor to me um, setting up in a place where it all is constructed, and then saying here is a narrative and take the spin off of vagina monologues. So yeah. I didn't really have to talk about that experience yeah. of looking and reading about vagina, you know, vagina monologues. I can say, well, instead of talking about the vagina, how about we have a gender monologue? And yeah. so that's how it catapulted me to where I am today. Will you quickly life. will you quickly describe for the audience just briefly what happens in a gender monologue? Oh man. So in the gender monologue, I start from the beginning of creating a duality of myself as a female and myself as a male. On a split and screen. In a split screen. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the original piece is actually a video installation so meaning you actually would come in and there were two separate screens and i would have the audio playing at different places uh Mm -hmm. so that way you can get a sense that these two that you're looking at on the screen are talking with each other but at the same time talking with you as the viewer Mm -hmm. so as a single channel uh, that was that's usually that's a part of my practice as well i try to make sure that it can be you, you know versatile it morphs like we do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel that. All my work is I'm constantly like, morphing. Constantly changing up. Like, what, you want me to do that? Oh, you yeah. want me to do that? Okay, yeah. not a problem. Not a problem. Same, same. So it was all the fluidity. So I try not to create works that only work in one format. Right. So with General Monologue, it can work as an installation or it can work as a single channel where you look at it on one screen, but you do see the split of one masculine self of me and a masculine, female, uh, female, well, I want another because I'm like that female, she's still masculine, but uh, the female version of me, and they're both speaking about themselves with you, that person that's looking and saying, hey, we're about the same, but not really, but we have the same struggles, but we are still at one. And I think it's really important for people that whenever they look at that and start listening to the gender monologue, that you realize it really is the same person. Yeah. Oh, it becomes clear pretty quickly. I mean, once you start taking off, you're taking off and putting on clothes, right? Like yeah. So um, in the beginning, I'm putting on accessories. So I start. Mm. So thank you for that cue. I'm putting on accessories in the beginning. Yeah. And the accessories are different, but men put on accessories as well as especially as trans men um, if we think about um if you want to pack uh pack meaning you want to use something in your lower uh, lower genital area so that way it looks as though you have a nice package um i got over that like after two years um but some men you know just feel like they have to have that and that's okay yeah Um, it's totally fine um but i got over it because it did it wasn't it wasn't comfortable walking the ship with moving and, and I ain't got time for this. So I talk about it in general monologue of, you know what, accessories are accessories if you want them. Yeah. But here's the thing at the end of the actual piece is that I talk about the chest and mm. I'm like, you know what, there's something about wanting to get rid of the chest or it comes with it. 
but I feel like I'm not complete. So no there's a void um, that I wanted to create at the end. And that's why I expose, you know, be very honest about, hey, I would love to walk around like, you know, my trans brothers with, mm-hmm. with no shirt, yeah. but I can't even walk around with no shirt because I'm still kind of dealing with this chest. Mm. And that's where it becomes, um, I think it becomes hard to um man when i got to that part it becomes hard to say what is masculinity Mm. you know or what is femininity what is it to be my most man self like me or what if i didn't have to deal with masculinity or femininity at all like what is it to just be me yeah. And so that's where the piece uh, tries to end on. Like, okay, I'm okay. And that's where it almost feels like my female self says, it's going to be okay. That's not right, boo. And that's why she walks off the way she walks off. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't have to get the chest surgery today. Uh, you probably get the chest surgery soon, or you can maybe never get it done. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But you will always be you. Oh, it's so good. Uh, We will be showing it in Los Angeles at the LGBT Center. We'll be showing a gender monologue for two months. It's going to be up from June 17th to August 20th at the very latest. I'm so excited to have folks come and be able to see it. It'll be at the Ed Gold Plaza LGBT Center. It's like center of Hollywood. That's so exciting. Can we talk a little bit? Because I know we have some time restrictions here. Do we want to talk a little bit about your documentary, Waking Up in New Skin, correct? Yes, waking Oof. up new skin. Boo, when I tell you, you don't have to rhyme on that one. Boo, when I tell you. <laughs> it was really exciting um, to get into grad school and to also get closer to who I am. And in 2012, uh, we both know this person, and I was going through depression really hard mm-hmm. again. And it felt like the high school scenario. Mm. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what? Let me just go to every fucking show. And what do you know? The programmers uh, for Made in LA did a great job uh, with programming how you can see different artists at different locations. So it was almost like you were gallery hopping, but you were going to different cities. So you could go to Westwood, you could go to Culver City, you could go to Hollywood, you could go to like, it was just satellite shows. Right? Yeah. It was like amazing. And so I was like, like a little kid using a TV guide, I was checking off where I was going to go, what day and what time to see performance art and video art, because I knew not only was my photography strong, but I felt like I was outgrowing photography for my concept and for the content Mm -hmm. that I was building. So that's why I wanted to look at more performance art and video works. And so in the summer 2012, I was just inspired immensely. And I came back and said, you know what? I found it. I'm transgender. <laughs> I'm transgender. Ooh, and ooh. I'm doing it with pride. Let and me just say, 2012, fact, 2012, pre-Laverne Cox on the cover of Time, baby. You did it pre-trans tipping point. Okay. Wow. What a big, what a big deal. Big deal. I'm ready way. to do it. Yeah. And guess what? 
I cranked out seven bodies of work. I don't know uh, what, I mean, all the energy, you know what ends up happening when you get into a space and you got all this energy, mm-hmm. but once you get focused, mm-hmm. like I can keep it going. Keep it going. I'm keep it the going. same way. Keep it going. Yes. Keep it going. Yes. And so I cranked out seven bodies of work, and the documentary was a part of it. So that was one of the seven bodies of work. Wow. And I said, you know what? Let's get as much footage of me before because I may be able to use this yes. later, but I don't know when. Mm, and it was waking up in a new skin. And that was called waking up a new skin. Wow. So I did the documentary starting out. There's so I mean that's it's. It's a piece. Uh, I almost want to call a teaser to the overall because I still feel like my dad is missing. You know, my mm. sister is missing because when I say waking up a new skin, it was really about how I'm moving from Los Angeles to Little Rock and from Little Rock to Los Angeles. But I'm deciding to be trans and I want to be the man that I've always, the person I've always wanted to be and um, to find happiness and health. And so the documentary is about focusing on that. Who will stay with me in the process of this transition? And little did I know, I had the support, you know, basically from my friends and family. But I thought they were going to leave me. Yeah. Oh, it's so real. You know, I when I was watching the cut you sent me, it it like breaks my heart in the best way like it feel it it breaks my heart while it simultaneously fills me with joy to watch the moments when you're in the kitchen with your family and you know your mother and your grandmother and they're just like saying it how it is but there's so much love there and i'm like i i had chills the whole time i watched it because i'm like where have i i've been wanting to see this like the, there is where is this it has not been told yet yeah you know, D? <laughs> And you know, all 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 I had was YouTube videos, you know, in 2012. That's all I had. That's all I had. And so I was thinking, how do I make a documentary that is not a YouTube video or uh, a video diary, Mm -hmm. right? And I also like Ross McElwee's um, editing. So Ross McElwee has this great home movie feel, and I wanted to make. A documentary that was home movie feel, not slick and clean like how the documentaries are today. Yeah. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong, if I get invited to do another documentary, I can do it. But yeah. this particular piece was important to make it more home movie feel. So that way there was a resource for us as trans men to know that there is love that doesn't have to be a horrific end or a trauma. Yes that yeah. happens. Uh, you'll be surprised. Yeah. I did lose some people. Sure. But I didn't lose the core people in my life. And some people's core is their mom and grandma. And they lose them. But you have other family members that is your core as well. And you'll have that support. So you don't lose in the end. It just shifts if that happens. So it's not always a traumatic end. So the piece is more so for optimism. Yeah. And I felt that I love that you thought about, okay, what's the style? Like, how do I actually want to shoot this? Because the home video feel gives it so much intimacy. Like I'm inside your mother's house. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that feels so good. We will have this documentary up with a gender monologue at the LGBT Center at Gold Plaza, June 17th to August 20th. So come, please come. If you're in Los Angeles area, please come and see this documentary. It gave me the chills. And the thing I also thought too was like, 
what what trans men do we have in public? We have like Chaz Bono, and as of recently, and as of recently, we've had Elliot Page. As of recently, I'm gonna just put recently, that out there, yeah. okay? And yeah. so when I saw your documentary, I was like, oh my god, D, this is a gold mine because not only does it demystify trans man, trans men moving through the world with their family and negotiating with their family, but it's also a huge spotlight on Black trans masculinity. Yeah, there is nothing in our popular culture right now talking about that at all. I was like, man, I had to put that blackness in there. I was like, because I'm like, I'm a black man. Yeah. So I was trying to question those things. Mm. And that's the part of waking up in the new skin is researching and questioning what all, who am I? Uh, let me not lose that history. Because I, that's why I had to be open about the fact that I was born, you know, as a cis woman. Mm. But so what? Yeah. You know, that's a part of my history. That's not who I am. Yeah. And so that part, I had to just put that in there. And, we, and then, of course, I had to talk about my blackness. I'm like, well, what is blackness? And, you know, we talk about the whole, you know, talking white and, and how do you think about class and, and you know, moving around. So I, I'm hoping that you got a chuckle out of, you know, one moment I'm eating chicken and greens. And then when I get back to Los Angeles, I'm eating sushi. So, you know, that, <laughs> that, cut, you know, that cut too was amazing. Yeah. I was like, see, it's different. You know, I, I it's code not the switching. same type of food. Yeah. Code you know, but, but that's what it is. You can't lose what is a part of you and it's always there. Uh, so there's no need to run away from it. But if you want, I do know of uh, some brothers that may want to just start off fresh. Yeah. Don't go back uh, because it was so traumatic. Yeah. But I'm hoping that those brothers know that they have support and love with their new family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's often why trans folks do move to urban centers. I tell people this. I'm like, trans people move to urban like centers like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, San Francisco because we need to find chosen family. We need to feel stable within that chosen family. We need to meet people who reflect our realities to us. And it is yeah. very hard to do that in Glitter Rock. <laughs> yeah. You're not about to do that to me today. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get up. I told you, I graduated on December 17th. I was yes. gone by December 20th. Memphis, you're like, bye Memphis. <laughs> Love you. I know. You all been great. Mm -hmm. I left. Now, so I, now how do I hook this up on this you all? Yeah, yeah. Who's helping me pack? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. D, do you have, I, I'm going to respect your time. Do you have anything else you want to say before we hop off for this episode? Well, I just want to say thanks again, brother. Um, I just feel like it was so meant to be mm. uh, when we met. So thank you. I feel but, that, D. I'm like, I have my trans brother. I don't have a trans brother. Yeah. You got one I, now. You got until one I now. met you. And so I want to say thank you. Yeah. It's been great. And I want to make sure that everyone come out on next mm. week and get the experience, get the support of uh, the resources, mainly the resources yes. uh, that you know that it's not just you alone. Or, hey, you might be inspired like how I was in 2012 and yeah. say, that's me. Yeah. I knew it, but I didn't know what it was or how to go about it. And so... Um, if anything, I'm hoping that everybody's listening to the podcast and, and to know like this is the place um, to, to utilize these resources for love. Have we're going to have you back on the podcast because I still wanted to talk to you about other things. I'm like, oh, yeah, we, oh, we got a lot to talk about, boo. Exactly. We got a lot of <laughs> exactly. 
I will, we- I will, I will link your website for people to reach out to you if they need to, or just to oh, look of at your work. Yeah, your website, and then I'll also link our Trans Pride exhi- exhibition, Syzygy. Yeah. Very, very exciting. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be so good. Oh, it's gonna be good. Yes. Yeah, so come out. Everyone's welcome. It's not just trans people. It is everybody. Everybody. We are the doulas of the world. We're here to help everybody heal their gender dysphoria because my my argument is that everybody has low grade gender dysphoria. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> low key. We're not gonna go there, but low key. Low, yes, you yes, do. You do. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna help everybody feel more expansive, loved, and D, your work is so valuable. I'm it's invaluable to me. So I'm just so grateful that we get to collaborate oh, wow. in this way. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I was so nervous. I was like, man, I hope I hope Marvelous likes this edit. Like I gotta stop I gotta stop editing this. Yeah, it's good. You know, I, it's so you know uh, and um as I shared, you know, I wanted to make sure that my mom was in there and uh people will experience the very first time that I share with my mom that I want to do a name change. Wow. That was the very that was the very first time that she heard about it. Wow. And, uh what so do you know? Here she is. She was, she chucked along with it. (laughs) She was like, okay, all right. All right. (laughs) That's my my mama. She's so good. (laughs) Love her. Haven't met her, but love her already. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about it, I was like, oh, crap. When I put the years in there, I was like, oh, it has been 10 years. She Mm. did not want to be a part of it. She did Mm. not want to be on it. Mm -hmm. And now. She's showing up. I I it. It took 10 years. Yep. that's okay that's okay sometimes that's okay. it does sometimes it does yeah. all right d all right you got your seven o'clock lots yeah, of love lots thank of you love. for being on the world of rex thank you for inviting so me you're welcome all right till okay. next time till next time all right ciao Bye. Bye.